Welcome to the Longhorn live stream. I'm Bobby Burton. It's Friday afternoon. Uh, time to join in uh, Jerry Hamilton of Inside Texas and Ian Boyd, both of Inside Texas, actually. Guys, uh, thanks for joining me today. We got a lot to talk about. Some news down in Destin breaking from the SEC meetings. Texas has an official visitor on campus. Jerry and Ian, welcome in. Thanks, Bobby. Uh, good day. We've got some uh, our hot weathers here in Texas, so just in time for camp season. So, Jerry, yeah, you mentioned camps. Tell us a little bit about Reiner Swanson. Let's start with him, uh, the tight end recruit out of Laguna Beach in California that's currently visiting uh, the university. Yeah, actually, uh, he just uh, uh, direct messaged me a little while ago um, that his hosts this for this visit this weekend are Gunnar Helm and Spencer Shannon. Uh, I put that into our, we have a weekend recruiting thread on Inside Texas. Make sure and go check that out uh, because the elite camp is uh, tomorrow, June 3rd for 25s and 26s. But Reiner Swanson, he's visiting Texas this weekend. We'll go to Oregon June 9th through 11th. Then he has BYU, Utah, and Texas A&M rounding out the five schools he's considering right now. Um, he's, he, there's a photograph of him last night with his family at dinner with Jeff Banks and Brandon Harris and members of the Texas staff. Uh, but this is a it's it's gonna be an interesting battle. This is his second trip to Texas. He has family from Texas. Some family lives in the Hillsborough Hillsborough area, I think Lake Whitney area. Um, but you know, he's gonna make it expected to make a decision before his senior season. The reason this visit's happening now instead of June 23rd through 25th is the family after that Oregon visit, uh shortly after that is leaving to go on a, a European vacation for a couple of weeks. So uh, good for them. Uh, but uh, he's on campus right now, spending time with Jeff Banks, Sarkeesian, and the staff. And he's the only official visitor this weekend. But there will be three, four dozen uh, top targets or top, potential top targets in the 25 and 26 classes on campus tomorrow in Austin for the elite camp. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be interesting. Big weekend for recruiting. You got, you, you'll be there, Justin, Eric, Joe Cook, all on site tomorrow uh, for these uh, number of uh, top-ranked players coming in. Uh, and, and, and Bobby, and, and it's a big week, even though Texas only has one visitor, the staff's going to be really kind of, I'm not going to say looking over their shoulder, but they're going to be looking around because some of the top targets are visiting other places this weekend. Corey Gibson at Clemson, a number of guys at Florida for their big weekend, Jaden Jackson, some of those guys. Um, so Texas has top targets visiting other places this weekend, and that's expected throughout the month of June. So it's not only the guys in Austin, but the guys spread around the country making visits, especially in those SEC schools. Hey, Jerry, yeah. is, is Arch there for the Reiner Swanson uh, deal? For us, yeah, Arch, Arch should be on campus. What was interesting this week, I, I thought, Ian, you brought up something else that we hadn't kind of brought up but we on the site, but the Manning Passing Academy is June 22nd through 25th this summer. That's actually the big visit weekend. For Texas, so you kind of wonder if Arch is actually going to be at the Manning Passing Academy this summer. Maybe he just goes one day, but I doubt he misses Texas' big official visit week in the 23rd through 25th. But, yeah, Arch is on campus. All the players are on campus. Swanson strikes me as, like, the top target to be his uh, receiving tight end yeah. when he takes over in the, you know, whenever. Yeah, I think him and Jordan Washington from Langham Creek, I, I think they would take both of those guys. Um, Jordan Washington – is worse. He had AM this weekend. Then he's got Arizona State before he has Texas. Um, Alabama may get an official visit. We'll see on that. But yeah, I think Reiner Swanson, Jordan Washington are the two guys that have emerged for Jeff Banks and the staff at tight end. And they're both 
pass-catching threat. Swanson is a bigger guy right now, 6'4", 235. Excellent soft hands and excellent body control, really. we got a lot of stuff coming up uh, today. We want to get to questions. We have a trivia question. Uh, the Longhorns baseball team right now is actually starting their game against Louisiana uh, in the uh, regionals down in Coral Gables. Uh, that was supposed to start at 1 o'clock today. Uh, Texas, uh, the number two seed in that region behind the host Miami Hurricanes. Uh, we'll see right now NCAA tournament down to the final 64. Uh, Ian, before I get a question over to you, uh, I want to mention our sponsor. And that's uh, our weekly sponsor for the Friday live stream is Andy Ludicky, a good friend of the program. Uh, Andy is a specialist in placing people with franchises. Uh, what he does, he takes you through a process uh, and allows you to choose kind of what you are good at and what kind of money and time you want to put into something and then his algorithm uh, and ability spits out a couple of different opportunities for you. Uh, so if you're looking to leave the corporate rep race, make sure you give Andy Ludicky a shout. Andy at MyPerfectFranchise.net. Longhorn grad, friend of the program for a long time. We certainly appreciate him. Uh, Ian, uh, let's go to you. Down in Destin, Florida uh, this week, the Longhorns find out that there's going to be an 18 schedule for the SEC for 2024 only. 2025 stays open, okay? Furthermore, we learned that in 2024, there's not going to be an East and West in the SEC. There's, it's going to be the top two teams go to the championship, most likely in Atlanta, I believe. Given that, what do you think that means for Texas? Do you think that's good for the Longhorns, bad? Where do you come out on it? Well, they probably were not going to move that Michigan game anyway, right? So it's probably generally good. I think a nine-game schedule is better in the long term. Um, give the fans what they want, you know, lots of premier games. You don't join the conference, so you can keep playing UTEP, you know. But uh, in that year one, it'd probably be helpful to Texas to have a couple of uh, SEC buy kind of games just to help them uh, find their footing early. I think, you know, the big thing is going to be who do they draw? I think we assume they'll play Oklahoma, of course. We assume they'll reunite with A&M and play Arkansas. But then that's still five SEC games that could come from anywhere, right? Um, so I'm kind of curious to see how that, that schedule falls out to know exactly how it will impact that season. But they'll have Michigan, who's probably going to be very good. And they'll have um, – don't they have UTSA? That same schedule. It's going to be, it's going to be a, it's going to be a tougher schedule than it's been the last few years, I think. Well, my my take on it is this is what. Look, I know a lot of people want a nine game schedule because of the the quality of opponents that will be coming to Austin in that scenario. I, I'm going to tell you, I think that Texas needs a soft pedal going in. I have no problem with this um, because the out of conference schedule for Texas is unlike the out-of-conference schedule that most of the SCs. I mean, Charleston Southern, Southern and Tennessee Chattanooga are not on the schedule for Texas. Let's just be clear. They are for some other SEC teams. Sam Houston State, you know, Prairie View A&M. Let me go on. Okay, so I think that, that going into the SEC, uh, that, that may be a way that Texas wants to go. Not that Texas needs to be scared of anyone, but look, I mean, it, it's an acclimation prospect uh, project a, a little bit for the long, Longhorns as well. Um, I want to get to one thing real quick that's a question. 
Uh, by, the, by the way, please get your questions in. We try to get to all of them uh, during the hour that we have here. Um, but first, I want to say this. Uh, Texas, I'm going to mention this one real quick from QWERTY. Do you think CDC and the UT boosters can do NIL deals for the D-line positions? DE, DT, and EDGE, similar to the Pancake Factory, NIL, OL, to entice high four- and five-star D-line and EDGE guys to go to UT. The answer is yes, they can, and they already are, uh, just to be clear. Uh, so it, it's not necessarily as uh, it's not as uniform as the Pancake Factory, but uh, a lot of guys uh, at Texas are already getting NIL deals uh, through UT Boosters and the Texas One Fund. The reason I wanted to bring this up right now, the Texas One Fund had a fundraiser last night uh, at uh, the Austin Country Club. Uh, not only was Steve Sarkeesian and a number of the football players there, but also Rodney Terry and the basketball uh, guys were there. Dil Dylan Disu showed up. Vic Schaefer and the women's basketball team came by. Uh, and from what I understand, uh, they all made pretty direct pleas uh, to the uh, Longhorn faithful uh, to help them with NIL, because that is a determining factor these days, not only in uh, keeping your roster, but also attracting new players uh, to the university. So keep that in mind. Texas definitely trying to move to the forefront of that. Uh, Jerry, I have a question that I want to go ahead and get to with you. Uh, I don't think I've heard this. Uh, I think uh, Texags is trying to make it so with Jimbo, but Ron Mexico, Colin Simmons and Micah Hudson trending to Texas A&M. Unbelievable. I'm going to say this. Colin Simmons isn't trending to A&M as of three days ago when I heard him speak personally. Correct. So, um, you know, whether Jimbo believes that or not, it's a different story. Yeah, I mean, Colin Simmons is trending slightly to – continues to trend slightly to LSU um, over Texas. Uh, but, look, you know, when I was at Duncanville uh, a couple of weeks ago, three weeks ago now, you know, somebody said, you know, he's going to stay very close to home. So whether it's LSU, Texas, maybe Texas A&M at the end of the day. Uh, but I, I really think it's LSU slightly over Texas right now, and we'll see where that goes. The interesting thing with Colin's recruitment, though, is, you know, he's got the official visit set to Miami, Oregon, and Texas in June. Um, so unless unless he shows up at LSU, uh, this thing's going to go into December more than likely, um, I think it is, or at least into the fall. So we'll see uh, when LSU gets him on campus again. What about Micah Hudson, Jerry? You know, look, it's he's he's right now. He's scheduled to be a December um, uh, decision. I think Texas Tech and Texas are the top two right now uh, until proven otherwise. Look, I'll say this: what how Evan Stewart likes it, the offense this year under Petrino and Fisher. Um, that's going to be kind of as big in a number of recruitments. I've heard that mentioned by two or three receivers, um, and all of them train with uh, margin hooks, which Micah Hudson does. So I, I think, you know, those kids all talk. They all see each other. Um, so I, I think a lot of what A&M's chances hinge on is um, what happens with Evan Stewart this year. Yeah, it, it's interesting to me because I, I, not to, to take Ron Mexico or whoever as a, a little bit of a, you know, sidebar conversation here but i don't see the aggies with a lot of recruiting momentum right now so uh you know we we got to keep that real a little bit uh, jerry i want to ask you this question as well because this happened last night uh terrence hibbler jr the big lineman uh out of uh, i think he's out of mississippi right yeah yeah yep. he uh committed to mississippi state and their new head coach 
He uh, Michael Gresser wants to know what happened there. I thought it was Alabama or Texas. Did he did he cancel his official visit to Texas, or did he, did he just go ahead and commit to Mississippi State? I, I think as of right now he's done, but we'll see. Um, look, so we said on the inside text, we kept saying word was it was trending Alabama, Texas, or Texas, but inside Texas is not counting out Mississippi State. We said that for a reason. Um, you know, it, in May there was a lot more Alabama, Texas talk. Um, but we never really counted out Mississippi State in that because he had been there so many times. Uh, there was a lot of pressure on Mississippi State to, you know, get him in the boat before these Alabama and Texas visits in June. Look, Cameron Beavers, the kid out of Bay Springs, committed to Ole Miss too, and a big-time defensive tackle. So those schools in state are really pushing to get these kids in the boat before they go and visit these other schools, especially in the state of Mississippi in this class, because it's such a tremendous class of defensive lineman Jeffrey Rush, uh, defensive end tackle kid that uh, was at Texas Junior Day January 21st. He's committed to Ole Miss too. So there is a big push by those two in-state schools to not let these kids continue to get on campus at Alabama, Texas, Georgia, LSU, and those places. All right. I, I want to go. We've got our trivia question coming up, but first I want to get to this super chat. Les Grossman, thank you uh, so much for this. Uh, I feel like the competition will be a lot better next season. With that being said, and that, I guess that means going into the SEC, with that being said, I want to see Arch get some playing time against good teams. Thoughts? Actually, I guess he's talking about 2023. Do we see Arch Manning more than four times as a true freshman? No, not unless something went wrong. Um, I don't know. I, I just I don't think playing Arch is really a priority. Like, if they, they want to win the Big 12 championship, you know? You're not trying to get Arch out there against good teams. I don't know that that's really that all that valuable to do that anyway. I don't know if he's the backup quarterback this year. Um, so I, I just don't really see that happening unless something goes wrong or Quinn Ewers gets injured or bombs or something. Like one time when I was very new to this, I asked Bob Stoops after the 2012 Red River shootout, if he had thought about getting Blake Bell in the game more, uh, either to run against Texas or just to get some snaps late in the game, because they blew out, you know, Texas by a million points. And Bob Stoops just stared at me and he goes, did you really just ask me that question? <laughs> and then, uh, and then just like moved on to another uh, media. Hey, and he, that was probably his favorite question today too. And that was his answer. So think about the ones he really hated. <laughs> well, I, he, he hated them all. Really, he got some that he really hated because he was all amped up and he chewed out one of the local guys. <laughs> oh, yeah. For saying that they were mentally soft when Kansas State had beat them. He's like, because we're pretty tough. <laughs> I, I tell you what, I, my take on it is I doubt we see him in more than four games. Um, but, look, I think it's possible. Texas did not have many blowouts last year, right, where they could get the second stringer in and give him time. I think that that it's more likely we see that this year. Do you all agree with that? Yeah, but, but probably not against, like, good teams that are really trying to win, which well, I think Grossman yeah. was hoping for in that question. I, I could see a scenario where if Texas is up 30 on Rice after three quarters, Malik Murphy and Arch get in the game. Because here's the thing. They both need game reps 
with the thinking that Quinn Ewers is going to go pro after this year. So they both need to throw a couple of balls in games and play a little bit this year. And the thinking that they're playing Alabama the next week and Quinn Ewers went down in last year's Alabama game. There you so, go. Um, remember that. All right, I want to say thanks to our sponsor of the trivia question. That's Last Stand Hats. Uh, go to laststandhats.com. Use the uh, code BOBBY10 for 10% off. Uh, you got uh, This is one of my favorite hats of theirs, by the way. I love this one with the hook I'm on there. I've never seen it anywhere else. Uh, but Last Stand Hats has these guys, uh, BOBBY10 for 10% off. All right, here's the trivia question. Ian, Jerry, B. John Robinson was an AP first team All-American in 2022. Prior to that, who was the most recent AP All-American first team Longhorn? And for all you guys out there, I admit it, I was I, I guessed and I was wrong. So if anybody guesses wrong, uh, you're not alone on this one. Ian, it's not a run. Ian went running back and then punter. Well, yeah, I didn't get it, suffice to say. <laughs> Let's see if anybody got this right now. I'm, I'm trying to look at this, and I'm asking Matt, our producer, to make sure he comes up with this and gets this right. Nobody yet. It's, I tough. it's a tough question. It really is. I, I really did not realize that this season had garnered that level of respect, even though it was a good season. Well, it was it was a I'll, wasn't it a COVID shortened season? Correct. Yeah. <laughs> it was. Yes, that should give some people some hints. Let's see if we got it here. No, I don't. Still see don't it. have it. I don't see anybody with it. Oh, there he is. I think Blake Bryant got it. There you go. What round did he go in? The second round? I think I went to, I think he went second right. round. Joe Osai out of Conroe Oak Ridge. Jerry, uh, Oak Ridge has another defensive end, uh, Nigerian, I believe, that uh, jo- Joseph Jonah Ajoye, uh, who is uh, visiting Georgia, I think, this weekend. He's a big one that Texas would like to have, but I think maybe ending up at Georgia. Uh, but uh, Joe Osai. 2020 uh, Longhorn AP All-American. Uh, again, special thanks to our uh, sponsor uh, on a weekly basis for this trivia question. That's laststandhats.com. All right, that, that sums up the, the preview that we had for today. Let's just get straight to questions. You guys ready for that? Yeah, let's do it. All right, let's go. Um, let's do this one from Jarrett Johnson. With no formal group reporting NIL, how do schools determine the NIL worth of players? I actually was at a symposium this week in Nashville uh, that On3 put on for the top 25, 30 football players in the class of 24 and 25. Uh, and it's it's pretty simple. Uh, NIL valuation actually has two components. One component is your roster value. Just like a pro football team has a, uh, a roster value for your you know position, an amount they can pay you, so too is that for some schools. Then you have a brand value, which is worth more on top of that. So there actually are groups reporting on this. There are companies like Open Doors, uh, On3 reports on it on some levels, but really it's the free market. And so how do schools determine the NIL worth of players? The free market. That's that's how it's determined. Uh, And so it, it is not... Uh, it is still the process is still somewhat opaque to uh, talk to Jarrett uh, and uh, give him a 
an understanding of it. I'm not saying that that everybody knows what everybody else is doing, but it is getting more clear uh, each and every week uh, that goes by. Bobby, uh, I think we're going to mention the biggest issue right now for me is, you know, the agent's advisors are in control and you, you don't really know what's out there a lot of times versus what they're saying. And that's the tough thing for these colleges since there's no salary cap, since there's no nothing like that. These guys can throw out whatever numbers they want and you have to sit back and say, okay, do we believe this or do we not? And that's an interesting spot to be in. Yeah, it's crazy. And the coaches can't be involved in it. Correct. So it's literally the collectives that's uh, right. involved uh, at that so point. It's Barter Town and Thunderdome. <laughs> All right, Ian, this one's for you from Matt, Texas. A lot, or MA Texas, a lot of belief in Sark staff and the team in 2023. 2023 expectations are nine to ten wins and Big 12 title game. If expectations aren't met, why? So why wouldn't they be met? With Sark, uh, Quinn, PK, RB drop off, tackling, what would be the reason? Ian, you you give a shot at this. Jerry, I, I've got an answer. You and I can chime in as well. I think number one would be just if something goes wrong with Quinn Ewers, if Quinn Ewers puts it together and has reaches like 75% of his potential, then they're going to win nine or 10 games done. Um, After that, you know, yeah, if the defense struggled without Gary Patterson, if they tried to change schemes or something um, and had some trouble, I'm not anticipating this. I don't think that's very likely, but I'm just trying to guess at things that could go wrong. They have a lot of depth and they have a lot of insurance in a lot of positions. Like they're really, they're really geared up to, to have a good year regardless. So probably next for me would be just if the interior line doesn't shake up well and just the overall run game isn't there. Um, what do you guys got? Jerry? Yeah, I, I was thinking along the same lines. I just think Quinn's going to be a better player. Receivers are better, blah, blah, blah. We've talked about it, so I'm not there. I kind of wondered defensively if they, if they, you know, I think Gary had a lot of input there, right? And so if, to Ian's point, if they maybe kind of change things up, like Ian said, maybe. Um, it shouldn't happen. It's year three, right? Um, but then, I look, hey, I mean, it, Texas should be great in special teams. I'll tell you that. So, I mean, better talent coming into the program. D. Camillus, I think it was a massive hire there. Um, to go with Jeff Banks. So it's hard to see um, outside of a slew of injuries at one position. You know, if you look at Texas, uh, interior defensive line, they can't withstand a couple of major injuries there. I mean, that that's where you lose depth. Um, so to me, it's more injuries this year and how that could affect how they play. I think it's two things, and y'all hit on both of them, Okay particularly susceptible to a defensive end injury. Yeah. Baron Sorrell goes down. Texas doesn't have one edge. They have zero. Yeah. If, I mean, in, in some right. thinking. Yeah. Not, not saying Ethan Burke and Justice Finkley are helpless or hapless. Right. It's just that's a, that's a brand new position at that point uh, with no experience. Okay, so that's one. Uh, but the biggest one for me goes back to Quinn Ewers. And I, you know, if he is just not productive, that would be the only way Texas doesn't get the nine or 10 wins. 
They've got a good running back. They've got great receiver, a great receiver group, a great tight end. And I think the defense, Jerry, I look, they could be as good as they were in 2021, which wasn't good, and still win nine or ten games. Yeah. And that's so yeah. I, I feel I feel that is a little bit too much, right? Like are we we're asking too much. They're not necessarily going to be perfect, but they should be better. Um, even without Gary Patterson, because uh, they just bring so many guys back, right? All right, uh, thanks for that question uh, again, and we'll we'll get it going here. Uh, thanks, MA Texas. E. Kim, a uh, guy that is uh, on these chats a lot. We appreciate him. Uh, Jerry, what Southeastern state should Texas focus their recruit, recruiting efforts in more with the SEC move? So, obviously, when the staff was hired, it's Louisiana. Um, was Louisiana and still has to be Louisiana. But I will say the more Brian Kelly wins, the harder it's going to be. And, and there will always be a guy or two maybe that leaves of those marquee players. I mean, Nick Saban was getting those guys out. But if Brian Kelly takes another step this year, that's get tougher. I, I like the state of Florida, and I'll tell you why. Um, because none of those teams have gotten over the hump yet. Maybe FSU does this year in a weak ACC. But – there's so much talent in Florida. There's so many of these high three-star, low four-star guys that end up getting drafted out of that state. You don't have to recruit the whole state because there's so many players there. You just have to recruit Orlando through southwest part of Florida and in the Jacksonville. If you do that, you can find two or three or four guys every year that can help your football team and help your football program. And now that Texas won some of those big battles – and those kids aren't locked in the staying in state right now. To me, that's really the state to focus. I think Georgia's tough right now. Um, I think Alabama's tough. Uh, but I, So I think Florida and Louisiana are your two. If you take away the neighboring states, got to be Florida, guys. I don't know what you think, Bobby. I love Georgia because it's a single school state, yet has volume. Right. Okay. And the number one team in that state – recruits nationally yeah so they're not just going for the top defensive linemen in georgia they're going to the top defensive linemen around the country now granted alabama auburn clemson they're all knocking Tennessee, on the door they're all knocking on that door too but they have different needs in different states as well right uh that they can call home uh florida would be second and i think it's because i mean i look around there jerry and i gotta be honest you could find a first-round draft pick that didn't get offered by Florida, Florida State, or Miami. Yes. No no different than you can in Texas sometimes, right? I mean, if you go after the right guy in Texas. And so if you have a good eval guy in Florida, just like Morgan Scally is a good eval guy That's from right. Utah in, in the state of Texas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death 
in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook Games. That's that's a deadly. Com- that's a really really good combination. I I jokingly always say living in, living in Florida six years. I didn't, I never went into a school where somebody didn't run four or five in that state. <laughs> but I kind of mean it too, okay? Because those kids are fast and they're physical fast in football and football's their way out in a lot of cases. So I love recruiting Florida if I'm Texas. Even with gotcha. the SEC move, don't you guys think that they'll still probably go West Coast? That Circle always wants a presence in Phoenix and Southern California, for sure. Always wants that presence. And it's, uh, it's a lot easier. Like, Georgia has a gazillion players, but they also have all the recruiting heavyweights. Whereas Arizona and California – you can say, hey, come out, join, the, get out of this sissy region and play SEC football. That pitch probably gets even better than it was in the Big 12. And, I, I, and with USC and UCLA going to the Big 10 where it's cold and wintry compared to the SEC, that could have a, a, a role in it too. I saw a comment from one of the uh, folks in this chat uh, very much about something similar. Hey, look, look no further than Stein Metzger leaving UCLA Beach Volleyball Program and coming to Texas, guys. Do you think the move to the Big Ten might have influenced him a little bit there? I, I'm actually not following. Well, yeah. Isn't Nebraska, isn't Nebraska volleyball? Oh, beach volleyball. No, no, indoor, not beach. But I'm just saying, look, when those schools move to the Big Ten, I a recruiting in Calif- I just don't think it's as attractive for those schools. I just don't. I mean, so, yeah, I think you can always go to S- Southern California and get players. And I think you're going to have more opportunity with those guys moving to the Big Ten. I mean, those kids don't grow up in cold weather states. At the end of the day, they just don't. I want to, I, while we got some time here, I want to get to uh, a couple questions off the Inside Texas message board. Uh, Jerry, this one's from Texhorn60. With Hibbler committing to MSU, I was wondering if um, Bo Davis gets a good read on the guys he is recruiting. I mean, yeah, I mean, so does Nick Saban not get good reads either? <laughs> I mean, that's what always my response. I mean, look, I mean, it's like you're not going to win every battle. Um, and I would say Texas had the uh, same read on the, uh, read on that as Alabama. So, I mean, like, I, I, and LSU. So, I mean, I don't, you know, I, I don't know if that's a fair question to single out one person. Gotcha. All right, another one. This one from Hookham89. With opponents for the 2024 season being revealed in a couple of weeks. So even though the SEC has now said this is going to be the format of the schedule, they actually haven't come up with a schedule. What SEC teams are we hoping uh, to see on the schedule as away games, and which are you most hoping to see come to DKR in the inaugural year? This is for fan experience, I'm assuming, seems to be the question, or for yep. competitive advantage. <laughs> I think it's fan experience. It's what, what do you want to see? I, You know – Ian, oh, number one, and M at Texas. Oh, that's that's got to happen. That's yeah. going to be an away game on Turkey Day plus one. That's, you think it'll be at A and yeah, yeah. That's Bjork. The the AD at A and M is is all over that right now as some sort of victory, moral victory, I guess. Um, but in Texas, doesn't really care, right? So yippee, right? 
So I, I think that that's part of it. I I would like to see Texas go um, uh, to Ole Miss. I thought that was a great atmosphere. I'd love to see Texas play at Georgia, at Florida. I know those are some big big time teams, but I don't want to see Texas go to Missouri. I'll just that doesn't do anything for me. You know, I, I I think if you uh, if you're at A and M. If you also happen to be at LSU at night and you're one, that'd be a tough schedule. <laughs> at LSU night is a great game for Texas fans, but you just hope it's not the same year as at AM to start. Yeah, it won't be. They'd have to flip flop those. They have to flip them. Yeah. I, uh, I think that at Tennessee is going to be a, a nice, uh, that's a nice state to visit. Yeah. And it's, uh, yeah, I think that's going to be one. Maybe Kentucky too, not for the football so much as just the, you know. I, I, I'm a little different. I, I've, I've been to a couple of Tennessee games, been to a Kentucky game. Um, Tennessee's got 100,000 plus in the stands. Um, it, it's it's still a more docile crowd uh, than Alabama. L, definitely more docile than LSU. Oh, you know. Um, and so, uh, and I've only been to, I think I've only been to A&M games when Texas played them at A&M. Uh, and that's definitely more more docile. Bobby, right. I'm, I'm shocked you didn't say at Vanderbilt. Oh yeah, well, five minute drive. Yeah, <laughs> if you want that, that that's gonna be what wins in your you one. and your 25 closest friends, right? Oh, it'll be a, definitely an orange stadium uh, if Texas plays Vanderbilt. I'll put it that way. All right, let's get going uh, and see what they're we're uh, talking about here. A lot of people have questions in. Please continue to get questions in. If you do a super chat, we'll try to get you straight to the front of the line as well because that, that's one of the things we got. Uh, Ian, this may be for you more. Uh, where does Jamon Tapp stand on the depth chart? Is he anywhere near the too deep? If you, if not, do you feel he is a portal guy after this season? Ian, I'm going to preface this for you in saying that I told, I was told this is a put up or shut up year for Jamon Tapp. So. Yeah, I kind of thought he'd be in the portal after the spring game, honestly. Um, he seems to be kind of buried. Didn't really make a big splash in the spring game. Um, so he does not seem to be in the too deep as of yet. You know, things things can change on a dime if a kid, you know, really starts to change up something in a big way. Like, remember, like, John Harris in his senior year absolutely came out of nowhere in fall camp. Um but I think that it's going to be that kind of uh, sudden emergence to see Tap be an impactful piece of the two deep. There should be an opening. There should edge should be open to be on the two deep, but right now it doesn't seem to be. Here, here's the thing for me, right? Is he's got the ability. So it would be one thing if he didn't have the ability. That's not what we're saying. He's just got to put it into reality, right? Uh, same with Jure Bledsoe, right, Jerry? Yeah, yeah, no doubt. And look, I think a lot of tap uh, with tap too is how good is Tassilia Kana coming in, right? I mean, the competition for tap may not even come from the guy, a guy or two ahead of him on the depth chart. Um, it could come from a freshman behind him. That's when you get that's when you get pushed to the portal, is if you get passed by a freshman, <laughs> right? And you're sitting there, we're third string, now you're fourth. If you're still fighting for that second string spot. That's a little different game than getting passed by a freshman. Real quick, hey, this one's interesting because I grew up seeing this game a couple times. 
Auburn at Texas would be interesting. I saw Te- Auburn play Texas twice in, in uh, Austin, I believe. Uh, so that would be a, a definitely good one, uh, Jackie, to follow up on. All right. A uh, couple other questions here we got going. We're still going uh, down the list here. This one's a good one. Sergeant Single Shot. Do you guys think there's too much rat poison being laid down out there that our players might be feeding on? I would say yes, but I also say as long as as long as that person eating the rat poison isn't Quinn Ewers, I'm not sure how much I care. I'm I'm a little so uh, yeah, yeah, I, I can see it. So here's where I come out. Texas hasn't won anything yet, so there shouldn't be. I mean, they won eight games last year. I mean, it's been a. I mean, it's been since what 2018 since Texas finished the season ranked in the top 10. Um, since they won 10 games, if there's any rat poison, you got the wrong players eating, man. <laughs> I, I think Austin, Texas, as far as Texas football has been concerned, has been one enormous rat trap for 40, 50 years. Um, I so I don't really think it's about. There's going to be a ton of rat poison. It's the nature of Texas. You're the you're the premier athletic sports franchise program in one of the fastest growing cities in America. Um, that's, that's just how it's going to be. It's about whether the coach can, uh, you know, inoculate the locker room against it or not. And I think Sark's method for doing that has been, I'm going to have a ton of composition, a ton of competition at every single position. So if you're choking on rat poison, I got another guy. Whereas like say Herman, Herman had was trying to have a really, really tough, demanding culture, but he did not have that same level of competition to, uh, you know, in, impose those kinds of consequences. Like Quinn Ewers, if Quinn Ewers bombs, if he doesn't show up playing the way they expect him to play, they'll put Malik Murphy in, the guy that everybody just tried to poach. They'll put Arch Manning in if he has a big fall. You know, it's not, it's just not the same as it has been. I think that's the the real the real deal there. I think the other thing, too, is Roy Sark's commented a lot that he likes this team and likes the culture. So if these kids ended up not being that, then they he misread his team. That's a bigger yeah. issue. Yeah. Fair. All right, let's keep going here. Thank you all for getting all these questions in. Uh, we appreciate it. We'll be getting to them. Uh, let's go first to David Williams. Uh, what is more important, UT having three good interior offensive linemen or UT having a healthy and productive Jonathan Brooks the entire Great question. I personally think the center and guards have to be yes. good. I agree with David for sure. Because I mean there's a, there's there's good backs at Texas. There's multiple good backs I think. Um I think Cedric Baxter's going to be a good player. I think Sabian Red's going to be a good player. Um I, I think if you struggled on the interior, you're going to struggle running the football all season no matter who's at running back. I mean, that we talked about last year, you didn't have to block plays and Bijan could get a first down. This year, you have to block plays. Ian, what do you, what's your take? Because I have a slightly different feeling on this than Jared. Well, I, I, yeah, I, th- I bet I agree with whatever you're going to say. I would, I would give the caveat of pass protection. Is that what you're going to go? Yeah. That's, that's the one thing. I, I think that if the interior line is good, they could probably have Baxter, maybe Red go for a thousand. Uh, maybe blue puts it together. Maybe he could be a, a thousand yard. I mean, maybe could be a thousand yard back. If the line is good enough, the passing game opens lanes. I just, somebody else is going to have to be reliable in pass protection. 
I am totally with you on that. So I think it's pass protection. Um, I would go uh, here. Here's where I think people undersell Jonathan Brooks. He wasn't the five star like Bijan or Cedric Baxter, right, Jerry? Yes, correct. But he's been productive when he's in, and he's seasoned. They don't have another seasoned back that is a full on guy. They even tried Keelan Robinson in the bowl game. He clearly wasn't the complete deal, right? I worry that Jonathan Brooks is the only back right now out of that gate that gives you everything. That's my only, now I overall, which one's more important. You're right. You know, it has to be not only pass protection, but also run blocking, et cetera. But I think that Jonathan Brooks gives Texas just a little uh, something more. There. It is possible, though, that Red or, or Baxter will be there after fall camp. Yep, that's right. that's true. But right now, I mean, there, it's there's some time. There's a time lapse, right, Ian? Even, yeah. And they could be, even be there four games into the season. Yeah. You know, when they start getting 10 carries a game or five carries a game and spill. Um, Ryan Nelson, oh, Super Chat. Oh, yeah. Williams sure. Price is underrated. Jerry, I know you love that place over in South Carolina. Oh, yeah, yeah. For people that don't know, I was a huge Steve Spurrier fan growing up. So, yeah, I, I went to a game over there. It was awesome. When they were when they're winning, boy, that is a tough place to play now. I'll just say it. And we'll see if they, they – I mean, they surprised last year, but that's a it's, – it, it's a tougher environment than people think. I just don't see what they have that's going to differentiate them long-term from the Georgias, Floridas, right. even right. a Tennessee uh, right. out there. Yeah. All right, uh, Jamie Tooker. Jerry, I know it's pretty early, but curious on your thoughts on Julian Lewis in the 2026 class. He's the quarterback that uh, everybody loves out of Georgia. He is pretty impressive. How is Texas sitting? Uh, well, the interesting part in his recruitment is if he reclasses to 2025. He was at Georgia, I, be I believe, yesterday. Um, with Dylan Rayola committed in 24, if Julian were the – to reclass to 25, maybe Georgia doesn't make as much sense for the kid at Carrollton that's just watched them win national titles and play for national titles. We'll see on that. I think a big – I think such a big part of that recruitment is does he stay 26 or does he go 25? If he goes 25, I think all bets are off with his recruitment. Interesting. All right, let's keep going here, guys. Um, I want to say – Let me go. Uh, I have to do this one because I actually think it's good to insert some humor every yeah. so often from football, Texas. I am glad if officials don't have a transfer portal. I would hate to see big 12 guys going to the SEC. Do we have a temperature about SEC officiating versus big 12? Yeah, that's actually a good question. I, I, look, I'll just tell you what I've, I've observed over the last 15, 20 years. SEC officials are much more likely to call holding. Period. They're not – I always feel like the Big 12 errs on the side of offense. I feel like the SEC errs on the side of defense. Y'all – I mean, Ian, I see you shaking your head yes. Yeah, I, I think the Big 12 tells their officials not to call holding um, for branding purposes. As in, you know, tinfoil cap, but, you know, they don't call holding. It, it just doesn't happen. Uh, the Big 12 is very effective at teaching holding. It's kind of a, a essential. But um, 
I, I think also I've observed that you can get away with a lot more pass interference in the SEC than in the Big 12. They're not they're not upholding an offensive, explosive offense brand the same way as the. I thought what was interesting about the question isn't the SEC going to have to add officials though? Yeah, they will. See they if will. any familiar faces should end up heading east. <laughs> well, I mean, that or get them from the Pac-12 that's going to have fewer games. Right. You know, uh, fewer teams as well. I mean, you, you just don't know at that point. Uh, all right. I want to go a couple other questions here from Alry. With the current roster, what are each of you the most excited about this upcoming season and why? Jerry and Ian, I'll get your takes next, but mine's the receiver room. Um, uh, Justin and Ian, all right, Justin and uh, Joe did a show yesterday for On Texas Football talking about who they thought the best receiver would be for the Longhorns in 2023. They both, without hesitation, said Xavier Worthy. If he's healthy, it's A.D. Mitchell for me. And so you talk, and I know how explosive Xavier Worthy can be. So that's that's my take on it. I watched A.D. Mitchell two times or three times in practice uh, this spring as well as the spring game. I liked him more every time I saw him. And that's that's rare for me. Um, so I I feel like that that's the position I'm most excited to see. Ian, Jerry, you want you guys want to go next? Yeah, I'll go next. Uh, mine's interior defensive line, and, and I'm I'm a broken record on this, but um, if I think you know what Tavondre Sweat is, um, and I'm saying this, I think the receiver room's much improved. I'd have gone there initially. Quinn's gonna be a better player with better players around him in year two. Um, but if Byron Murphy and Alfred Collins look like draft picks this year, Texas has a chance to be really, really damn good in my opinion. I mean, I yeah, I think you know what Tavondre Sweat is. Uh, Alfred Collins was just up working out with Nathan O'Neill, our friend, uh, the best D-line trainer in the business, and he said the NFL loves him just because of the length and the upside. But for Texas fans, that upside needs to start this year on the field, right? It doesn't need to start in two years. Um, so my thing with Texas is if Byron Murphy and Collins look like third-round type of draft picks this year, Jalen Ford's going to have a hell of a year, by the way, behind them. And Texas should be really good up, up the middle on defense. Ian? I definitely agree with all that. I'm, I'm kind of excited to see Jordan Whittington finally have his day. I don't. I think I agree with you and with Justin and, Aaron, and Joe that Worthy and Mitchell are the bigger-time talents. But there's a lot of production for a good slot receiver in college. And uh, Whittington is just – you just – It'd be, it'd be really fun and, and emotionally satisfying to watch this kid have a big breakout season and really put up some stats. I it, I really agree with that. I agree I mean, with the, that. The emotional part of him having been through the ringer his first two years. And, and if I'm Jordan Winnington, I'm talking to Roshan Johnson every day. Because where he has a chance is he's that physical mindset player. Somebody has to be a, that help be that leader on offense. And I think he's the guy that could bring it. And if he does, that helps his value long-term. I hope he's took notes from Roshan Johnson all season. All right. I need to say thanks to our sponsor. Once again, that's Andy Ludicky. Uh, stuck in the corporate rat race with two weeks PTO uh, and no control over the money you can make or your schedule in general. Call Andy. He will take you through a process to help find a business that will fit your skill sets and financial goals. Franchise ownership isn't for everyone. 
Uh, but if you have a desire to take control of your destiny, call or email Andy at Andy at MyPerfectFranchise.net or give him a shout, 404-973-9901. Andy Ludicky, a good guy, has been helping us almost from the very outset. Jerry? Yeah, I want to hit – we've had a lot of basketball questions before we get back to football. People have been asking, Texas is after one more guard in the portal after Dylan Mitchell's return. Right now, Texas is going to be ranked around 15, 16, 17 in the preseason polls. Dylan Mitchell's a big deal. They, they're looking for 6'3", 6'4", guard with size that can shoot the ball. If they if they get that, they feel like they're uh, cooking with gas and ready to roll because, look, offensively they have all the firepower they need with improved rim protection. So we'll see if they get that last piece to the puzzle. Right now they're sitting around that 15-20 ranking headed into the season. Hey, Jerry, uh, real, quick, real quick basketball question. Yeah. Are they still going to run the Chris Beard defense? I don't know that yet. Um, I don't know for sure. I, I think they're seeing what the parts are. Uh, I think you're going to see elements of no middle defense, but they're going to be smaller on the, the in the backcourt, right? So are they going to have to attack a little bit more and try to push those guys to the paint where they're going to have better rim protection? I think that remains to be seen what they're going to do. I do think you know getting another big guard is going to be key here, how they defend on the perimeter. Fair enough. Uh, I want to say this real quick on baseball, by the way, guys. Apparently the game uh, is not started yet because they're uh, delayed by uh, weather. Yeah, there's a tropical storm rolling through South Florida this week because I used to live there. So, you know, I check, I still have it on the weather app. I, I expect delays all weekend. I gotcha. All right, let's go to Aloha Traveler here uh, with a super chat. Thank you very much. What is the scenario that sees yours not taking the next step? For me, the only way I can see that is if the Texas running game is absolutely dreadful slash he's running for his life the entire time because there's no pass protection. Uh, Ian, Jerry, what what is it that you don't see in yours uh, possibly not taking that next step? I'll I'll go first, and I know Ian will have a different answer than I will. For me, look, year two is comfortable. Guys are more comfortable. He's going to have better players around him. He's going to have a guy that can go make plays for him instead of him having to make every play. But to me, it's a lot hinges on the first couple of games of the season. If you build confidence, he was playing really well against Bama, then he gets hurt. If he comes on, has a great game against Rice, very which to him is very accurate, ball out of his hand, right time, right place, and then he goes in and performs well against Bama, win or lose, the confidence is going to go this. If he has a rough game at Bama, then you're gonna you might have to battle through some of those uh, cobwebs a little bit. His, uh, his his mechanics, his footwork gets really really bad um, when he starts to struggle, which I think I think really for all quarterbacks and certainly for Quinn Ewers, I think it usually actually comes down to knowing where the ball needs to go and having the right timing. I think when the guy understands what he's looking at and where he's going to expect to throw the ball and where to find it, then the mechanics follow. And when he doesn't, like you watch him throw that awful RPO to Xavier Worthy that was at like Worthy's feet in the Alamo Bowl. And otherwise it was probably a touchdown on a fourth and one slant. Quinn Ewers gets to his drop. He looks up. It's not quite what he expected to see. And then he starts his foot, his feet get off. And then all of a sudden he's trying to, and he's used to in high school being able to throw from different platforms and get away with it. Um, but when your timing gets bad and you don't really know what you're looking at, then 
everything starts to degrade. So I think it's it's mostly just how invested is he in the playbook, in film, in getting time in with his receivers, understanding what defenses are going to throw at him next year. If he knows what he's doing next year and he starts to build confidence, like Jerry said, I think the footwork mechanic stuff will actually decrease as a problem. Yeah. You know, we'll, we'll see. I, I, we have every reason to believe that he will be a lot better. I, I, I want to see him step it into the pocket more. I didn't see him do that enough in uh, 2022. I saw him do it a couple times in the spring game, but not enough still for me uh, in my taste. All right, let's go here. Jay, the activist, who is the leader of the defense this year? I don't think there's any doubt it's got to be Jalen Ford, right? Yeah. But could it be Byron Murphy? By example, Byron Murphy, Jalen Ford by voice. Or, or Jared, Jared Thompson's by voice a lot too. Because he's the he is kind of the ringleader of the secondary, the most vocal guy out there. Ian, you agree with that? Yeah, there's different kinds of leaders too. There's like the guys that tell you what to do, the guy that rah-rahs, the guy that shows you how it's done. There's also good defenses often have the guy that will punch you in the face if you don't, <laughs> if you don't show up, you know, if you're not. I'm not sure who that is, but they definitely got all the other ones covered. I think that's Byron. Okay. Man, they should, they should be set. That's a strong punch. Who's the all right, guys. Compact power. Who's the guy you give the code red to? Is, is you know. All right. This is from Ryan. Uh, assuming no major injuries, what is your threshold for a disappointing season? Eight and four. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. I would go eight and four, definitely nine and three, depending on how that nine and three looked. Um, they got to compete. They should compete for the Big Twelve title this year. And if they lose to Alabama, I, I would project to lose to Alabama right now. I know people are gonna get mad about that, but they're not gonna be the favorites going into that game. They're already not. Um, and so that being the case, losing two regular season games in the Big Twelve. I don't know that that should happen to them this year. I, Right now, disappointing season to me. I don't care so much about the record. You need to be hoisting the Big 12 championship trophy in Jerry World. Um, that kind of pretty non-negotiable to me. I, I mean, if you have a major injury or if you have a major injury in the game, there can be some grace. But they have so many advantages over the rest of the league. They should really be hoisting that trophy. It's hey, hey, Ian, Ian, you just brought up – you brought up earlier about the depth at quarterback. Yeah. Talk about Iowa State's situation right now. I mean, they may not have a quarterback if this gambling stuff all proves out to be true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the league has a lot of – there's a lot of problems around the league. You know, a lot of teams are reloading, you know, and reloading in the Big 12 usually takes like two years, so – well, Texas is going to play them at night away, most likely. Yeah, yeah, that's a big. I mean, so that matters. Yeah, I am a little bit. I, just, I don't know with Iowa State. I just I don't like to. I, 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 Iowa I Iowa players will be betting on Texas in that game. Oh. <laughs> I knew I, I can always trust you, Jerry, for a little <laughs> a little sidebar there. <laughs> All right, uh, this one from Mock Schnell. Another coach told a Texas scribe that Brooks was the best RB in Texas in his year. Uh, I think that I thought that coming out. 
Jerry? You, I mean, you remember you and I like, talking about this. I, I don't know that question. Is that the best running? Oh, his in his year? Yeah. Like, I thought he was better than L.J. Johnson and Kamar Wheaton. Well, okay, yeah, because the way L.J. Johnson handled the recruiting process, as you know, Bobby, Ian, we weren't doing live streams back then. That irked the heck out of me. When you're, when you're a December high school graduate and you choose not to go, I question question you in football a little bit, right? I mean, that's just a natural thing. And that has turned out to kind of be the case. Um, Wheaton, you know, was one of those guys that, you know, if you're around and you talk to people around that program at Lakeview Centennial, you know, they brought up the love for football, right? And you never question that with Jonathan Brooks. I'll say that. Yeah, I, I have no problem with that because he broke more tackles. Uh, than the other guys, Jonathan Brooks. And isn't that part of that football. a love for football, just to want to, to want to have that guy, aside from just a physical freak, Bobby, not wanting to go down. You love football, this guy's not tackling me, right? Not the thought of I'm saving my body in high school. <laughs> he ran for like 2,000 yards and played both ways. Yeah, he played till he cramped. He was Quandre Diggs. You play yeah. till you cramp. Even right. he made a big mistake in coverage in the championship game. Uh, and the final, that cost him the game. Yeah, uh, but, you know, by that time, I thought I thought his tongue may be dragging the ground because he played every play too. All right, Frank DeCluet, how many possible first round picks are on the twenty twenty three Texas team? Well, just name guys, and we'll see what we think. Quinn could be. I, I would say Quinn, Xavier, and Ad Mitchell, JT Thanks. Sanders. Mm, I don't see him as a first round pick. I think he's a second round pick. Pretty. I solid. think so too. I think so too. Because uh, he's not. He doesn't have the wide thing about JT Sanders. Plus athlete, plus hands, uh, good size, but he's not. Um, he's not bonus sized. Right. And, and those guys are the ones that tied in that end up going in the first round. Yeah. Not a lot of six four, two fifty, two sixty guys go in the first round. And then he's not. Brought Bowers ball in hand. Right. Yeah. You get my point, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Ian, what do you think? You think those are the guys? Did you say Gavin Holmes? I did not. I'd be the only other guy where if he just like locks people up and runs a four three. Um, I'm not I'm not I'm just, you know, I'm just thinking of any possible names. Right, not, right, 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 right. He may not even start. I'm just saying. That might be that being because cornerbacks is you got to look at like who the NFL takes in the first round and cornerback would be one of those spots. I would agree with that. I don't know that Gavin Holmes is that good, but we'll see. Probably not. We'll, we'll see how that goes. All right. Y'all are making David Williams have a conniption over here, by the way. I don't know if you know that because he's so high on uh, Terrence Brooks. He doesn't want to hear anything about Gavin Holmes. All well, right. I'm kidding, David. Or he won't be eligible, right? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Jerry's GPS. Uh, with the new addition of the coaches, do we get more block kicks and better net return averages, possibly punts returned for TD? I think this is a great question, guys, uh, because I thought, and I'm not just talking punts, but kickoff return. I thought Keelan was close late in the season. I thought Xavier, sometimes if he runs two east to west, could have been close. Um, when you look at a team going from 8 to 10, 11, 12 wins, right, you normally get a kick return for a score that changes a momentum in a game, right, or, or 
early in a game or the wins a game. I mean, essentially, um, how many the great teams have you seen somebody return a kick or punt for a touchdown? I think more than I think when we people say special teams, they think of punting, kicking, coverages. I think Texas return game, if they if they go to the next level in the return game this year, if they pop one, um, that to me is a big deal when you're trying to build your program and take the next step. I go back to my conversation with Cedric Griffin uh, a couple a week and a half ago now we were talking about the importance of uh, special teams. And we mentioned that Cedric was the first one to block a kick for a touchdown. Yeah. In, like ever in a field goal for a touchdown, you know, Cedric was like, you know, the thing, one of the things he told me in this, I think this wasn't on the record uh, or excuse me on video, but he was, he likes the fact that, that Sark likes to play his top guys on, yeah. uh, on special teams. And I think that, in part with the Dick Camillus hire, could really pay dividends for Texas. All right. Uh, what do you guys think about this? This one's from Ashton Holland. Do you guys like the 2024 SEC conference format without divisions and only eight conference games? We talked about the eight conference games. You like it without the divisions? Ian. I don't know. I kind of, I think I'm in the same boat as some of these SEC ADs where I kind of want to see how it shakes out with the expanded playoff. That's it. Um, I think the SEC championship is going to be a little bit of a casualty in the new era. It's going to mean less because all the SEC teams are going to be playing for the playoffs. So I don't know how much it matters. I guess, I guess it's fine. I don't know that I care. I would like to see more SEC games in time, but you know, I'm with you, Bobby. I'm sympathetic to uh, Texas not rushing into a nine-game SEC schedule with a trip to Ann Arbor. I don't we mind. Just one, we just had one of the funniest things ever said on this. Somebody said if if Michael Dixon was on this team, it wouldn't matter who was rushing the quarterback, and that's so funny and so true. <laughs> In a sad kind of way, too, though. By it, the way. Yes. <laughs> All right, Jay, the activist, uh, another super chat. Is Xavier still on punts? He was during spring ball. And Jonte uh, Cook was second team, I believe. Yeah, Jonte Cook was also back there. A.D. Mitchell was returning punts. Keelan Robinson returning punts. Uh, so there's a, a kind of a several of those. Ian has dropped here, so we're gonna have to he's say, back. oh, there he is. He's back now. He's got some. Um, al- he's got an allergy attack up there in Michigan. It is, something going it on. is clear. All right, we got contact. we got time for one more here um, that I want to get to and and uh, mention this. Because I like the topic of DJ Dog 31. I'm excited to see the upgrade in speed this year. Hill, McDonald, Derek Williams are going to be the future core of this defense. Is Texas going to be faster this year? I think they are. At yes. receiver. Yeah. Yes. It, I mean, you know, even they're not going to be faster than Bijan and Roshan necessarily, but that's not Bijan's speed wasn't the thing. His playing, I mean, his style was. Yeah. No, I, I think Texas is going to be faster. Well, I think the thing is with faster, too, there's two types of faster. Faster in testing and faster to the football. I, I think Texas is going to be faster to the football defensively this year. Guys are older. Um, Gavin Holmes brings that speed, right? Uh, Jalen Catalan, if he's healthy, is very fast to the football no matter what he runs. Uh, but as to this point, I think they're obviously bringing in more speed on defense through recruiting in the last two classes. 
just look at the linebacker positions. Just look at um, the secondary positions. I mean, they're not just bringing in speed. They're bringing in long limb guys with speed. Got it. Yeah, where, that, right. where you could see that is if the pass rush goes up a notch because they just have too many guys on the field that Big 12 linemen cannot stay in front of. Like Anthony Hill, his 40 times irrelevant when he sticks his foot in the ground and goes and goes downhill, right? So his downhill playing speed is fast. And that's kind of you, – you start bringing in guys like that. Uh, Jalen Catalan is a very fast player on the field. Um, you remember how Dat Wynn ran, what, 4-6-8? But – he didn't. He looked like he was playing four four five when you watched him. I, if Anthony Hill turns out to be that type of guy, then you've got dramatically faster on defense if he plays fast. Fast. I'll add this: Ethan Burke's faster than Ovia Gufu. Right. I mean, there's no. He makes up ground quickly. Yeah. Um, now running the ball right at him. Let's talk. Let's talk about that being a difference banker. But uh, anyways, all right. Guys, thank you all so much for the Friday live stream. Thanks to our sponsors, uh, Andy Ludicky of MyPerfectFranchise.net, as well as the guys at LastStandHats.com. Make sure you use the promo code BOBBY10 for 10% off all of your purchase there. Uh, and then also thanks to our um, guys that uh, contributed via Super Chat, Les Grossman, Ryan Nelson, Jamie Tooker, Jay the Activist, Aloha Traveler. If I let, uh, neg neglected to mention someone's names, I apologize. But uh, most of all, thank you to Ian Boyd and Jerry Hamilton for joining us and uh, being so gracious with their time. Uh, for Ian and Jerry, I'm Bobby Burton. I spend this episode of On Texas Football.